So it's pretty much a miracle that I'm standing here today talking to you. Some of you will know why, some of you won't. I'm going to explain anyway. Um, so my birth wasn't the usual one, let's just say that. Um, for a start, I was five weeks early, which was a bit of a surprise to my parents. Um, and at 11 weeks old, I suddenly stopped breathing. My heart rate was at 260 to 270 beats per minute. And even for a baby, that's other dope, that's other Double normal, can't speak. Uh, So Basildon Hospital sent me to the Royal Brompton Heart Specialist Hospital in London, and I'm still under their care today. I was in one-to-one specialist care, and the specialist doctor said I might not survive the next 24 hours. Well, that clearly wasn't right. Uh, The people in Billericay Baptist Church and other churches that we had connection with uh, held an emergency prayer meeting for me, and obviously that night I survived. I then spent three further weeks in hospital, and now I know God saved me for a purpose. He gave me this amazing life for a reason. And for the last few weeks, it really was bugging me. Why? Twelve years on from that, my dad ran the marathon for me, and he had two things strapped on his back. My name and Psalm 91.16, which says, With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. God has given me this amazing life. And why? A big other point in my life was Suffolk Christian Camps. For those of you who don't know, camp is an opportunity to spend time with God and other Christians without many distractions. At the age of nine, I was at camp, not as a camper, but just with my parents. And on the Friday of the first week, I felt something come over me. I remember feeling really hot in the session. And I remember putting my hand up and singing and worshipping harder than normal. For anyone that doesn't know me, music is pretty much my everything. I play a lot of instruments, write tons of both Christian and non-Christian songs. I spoke to the worship leader, Matt, and via my dad, he gave me this book. I read it through and immediately knew I wanted to become a Christian. And since then, I've just felt so free. And God has given me this amazing life. And he gave me so many people to surround me, to tell me these amazing things. And that most important thing is that God gave his son for us. Then this year at camp, I had a little bit of a hard time to start. Just before camp and just during the first couple of days, I was feeling really controlled at school, at home, at clubs, and so much more as well. So I decided I needed to change. On the Tuesday night at the, bon- at the bonfire, we wrote our sins on pieces of paper and threw them in the fire. I remember that night praying with my tent group and my best friend who is currently sitting right there that I knew I needed to change. I remember praying that night with my tent group, desperately waiting for that time where I could throw those papers in the fire, and in that moment, everything sunk in. God died for us. We were free. My favorite verse and my life verse is Galatians 5 verse 1, and it says, freedom is what we have in Christ. Christ has set us free. We are here today because Christ has set us free. He gave us his son, and he paid the price for our sins. Most of you will know John 3.16. For God so loved the world. He loved everyone. He loved absolutely everyone, no matter what they did. He loved everyone, and he gave his only son to die for us, to pay the price that we have all sinned. But we didn't have to pay any of those. He did it all for us because God loves every single one of us. And that's why he created us.
In Revelation 22, verse 13, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. But as far as I know, we're not near to the end of the earth, so God will be with us for a lot longer. On the night I decided to get baptized, I wrote this in my notebook. You are blessed when you are content with just who you are. No more, no less. Emma Jo spoke at the last youth service saying how it's not your image that matters, it's your love for God and how you share that. And I'm not the greatest person at sharing words. I've had a hard time in school and I don't have as many friends as a lot of people. And they say to, and people question me, they say, why, why are you a Christian? Why do you believe in God? And you know what I say? God is God. And you know what? That's enough. Because God has given me this amazing life. This amazing life. I was born so close to dying and God saved me. But I didn't know why. I became a Christian. I felt God's love. But I didn't know why. I decided to get baptized on that Tuesday night. And, well, it's 1st of April. It's not very long now. Since then, nothing really happened, and my life has been controlled again, and nothing good seemed to happen. Just before Christmas, I was definitely at my lowest, not really sure who was my friend anymore, what I was doing, and what my purpose was. But every time I was with one of my friends, Sophie, these verses came into my head. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. God has made us for a purpose. Amazing life. I keep going on about it. God set us free. But there was no sign of anything changing in my life. Something else that I wrote at camp was these words. God is with me. God cares for me. God loves me. God made me. And this is what makes it. It's God and me. Amen. And it's not just me, it's everyone. It's God and us. God cares for us. God loves us. God made us. It's God and us. Well, where to go from there? Nothing really had changed. I was hoping, but nothing had happened. There was no sign of anything changing. I'd come to church every week. I'd listen to what was said. I'd feel good about myself. I'd go home. I'd go to school on Monday everything would go downhill again. Then it brings me to last Wednesday night. A pretty incredible thing happened, let's just say that. The wonderful Pastor Simplis came and spoke to us in DG. While he was talking, there were three things going through my head. The first, that I was still looking for a sign to get baptised, to know when was right. I decided I wanted to do it, but I didn't know when. And while he was talking, I felt like I wanted to see the work he was doing in the Congo. And I wanted to share something in church, but I didn't know what. He called me over after uh, he had finished talking, and I'd asked a few questions, and he said these exact words. I have the future as a pastor. And he prayed for me, saying I would travel the world and sharing the love of God. And that's not coincidence. That is God speaking through people. And God has given me this amazing life. Through other people, he has changed me. Then he said the thing that I will never forget, that it was time to give my life over to God. In Psalm 8, verse 3, it says, I look at the heavens that you have made with your fingers. I see the moon and stars that you created. We just sung indescribable, and God is indescribable. 
because he gave us this amazing life. That's not coincidence. That's not what the media says. It's not what our friends say. It's not what people question us about. It's God. Because he gave his son for us. There are so many other things that I could say about my life, about how people have changed me and my friends and everything that's happened. But really, the only thing that I need to know is that there are people here that care for me. There obviously is, because I'm still alive today, and that's down to prayer. But people here love me. And the church is the place that I can always come back to and say, God, I have sinned. And you know what he'll say? It's fine. I've already taken it for you. I sent my son down for you. Because it's God with me. God cares for me. God loves me. God made me. It's God and me. And that is the most important thing. Because we are with God through everything that we do. God has given me an amazing life. And he's given amazing lives to every single person in this room and out of this room. The whole world has been given lives by God because it, God loved them. He sent his son down to die for them. It's God and everyone. Wow. There's a bit of Pentecostal in there. <laughs> I'm loving it. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Oliver. Uh, uh, inspiring. And, and, you know, just thank you. God is doing some amazing things in your life. And I know we want to see how that is nurtured, how that's grown. And we're seeing that in a lot of our young people, how God is leading them and, and you know, grown-ups as well. Um, you know, God is doing so many good things. And it's, uh, yeah, April Fool's Day. He's the next baptismal service. <laughs> That's going to be a cracker, that, isn't it? Um, it's going to be exciting. Oliver, thank you ever so much. We're actually going to sing uh, a song now, take up our offering. This song actually was a song that we didn't do last time that Bethany really wanted to do. And it's actually called King of My Heart. King of My Heart. See what we did there. Um, so actually, yeah, I think it's a really good song. Some of you may know it, some of you may not, but we think it's a really good song, just in a response, really, to what we've heard, that actually, yeah, God is King of our heart, King of our lives. So let's stand, uh, shall we, and uh, worship as we reflect on what Oliver's just shared. As I was um, reflecting on just what to share this evening, there's obviously lots of stuff that goes on as a youth worker. Um, you, you hear so many things that are going on in young people's lives, not just in the church, but in the school's work we do as well. And um, there's so much in life that can um, be a huge obstacle for us. And, and for many young people, sometimes these obstacles come up and they don't know who to turn to. So unfortunately, uh, sometimes they uh, turn to things they shouldn't do, as, as with adults as well. It's, it's all there. And um, as I was reflecting on that, I, I, I stumbled across an old video that I saw on Facebook that was just really inspiring. And it's from a film called Facing the Giants. And uh, it's a little bit of a, a title of, of, of tonight, actually, is... is title is be strong and very courageous in defeating the giants and uh, I'll, I'm going to share a little bit more about that because um, we face giants daily um, 
sorry, Nick, I'm not talking about you. I know you are a very tall man, but uh, <laughs> I saw your face looking at me a little bit frowned there, kind of like going, oh... Right, um, so I'm going to play this. It's American, so there might be some of you that kind of like, oh my goodness me, this is a bit over the top. Hey, do you know what? Uh, there's a little bit of an American already inside everyone, I believe, that wants to break out. Um, so <laughs> we're going we're gonna to play that, and I'm going to be in trouble now for saying that. Uh, so thank you, Charlotte. How Ian gets us going in the office. <laughs> Who's carrying me? I tell you what, oh dear, <laughs> it'd take all of them. <laughs> Do you know, I love that. It's it's a really inspiring. If you didn't hear at the end, that that lad actually said he play, he weighs 160, not 140. So he actually weighs even more. And I think that's I love that because actually we can have a defeatist attitude. And and he did. He said, Do you know what, that team, they're the winner. They're going to beat us. And, and, and the whole idea is to say, if you have that attitude, if you have that defeatist attitude from the beginning, and he was the main leader, he was the strongest lad in that team. And the proof was that he was meant to get to the 50-yard line. And if you know anything about American football, it's 100 yards to the end zone. So he's thinking the 20, no, let's go to the 50. actually went all the way to the end, carrying that guy on his back. Um, yeah, it's very American, but I believe the sentiment is there. Um, and what he did, he had actually something called a limiting assumption of himself and the team. Now, the guys will know I'm laughing about it because actually we went uh, away uh, during the week, had a bit of a team day away. And it was brilliant um, because some of the phrases that come up, uh, Jane, who, who led us, um, really kind of struck a chord with, uh, certainly struck a chord with me and has really made me think a little bit more about how I think about myself how we operate as a team, and how we operate as a youth work, how we operate as a church uh, within Billericay. And I'm hoping and praying that God is, is speaking to us. And what I mean by a limiting assumption, it means that we assume that we or ourselves just won't be able to do a task. Okay, So we limit what we think we can do. We said, you know what, I don't think I'm going to pass my driving test. I just don't think I'm ready yet. And actually, this couple of weeks, there have been a couple of young people passing driving tests. So well done you. You went for it. It's great. Could do with a lift now anywhere, which is great. Um, what was interesting was this lady who was leading, she goes, actually, that is based on our own ego. That's based a little bit on how uh, we're kind of making that judgment on ourselves and on others. Um, what the coach did in this uh, clip, um, he, he actually flipped that assumption that, that Brock, great American name, Brock had made about himself, that actually on Friday night, do you know what, they were going to lose. They were going to lose because they always lose and that team always win. So what's the point in turning up really? You know, might as well just not be there. And what the coach did, he actually created a liberating Assumption. That was the flip side. I'm loving all these new big words I'm learning. Uh, he believed that this lad could achieve more than he expected of himself. And we saw what he did. Now, you know, I haven't seen the whole film. <gasps> Scary. Um, I've just seen that clip. So I want to actually go and watch it properly and see if they actually do win on Friday night. <laughs> It'd be nice to know. 
<laughs> it's a shame if they didn't. Oh, all right, okay, fair enough. Um, um, and, and I believe this is how God sees us. This is how God sees us. And I believe it's how he wants us to operate. We and others limit our ability. Whereas God is cheering us on. Come on, you can do it. Maybe not like crazy coachman there. But he's like, you can do this. You can do this. You've got this. I know you can do this. Yeah. One of the greatest examples of this, actually, I think, is in the children of Israel. Um, liberated from slavery in Egypt, uh, they were led out by Moses. Um, they were led by a miraculous pillar of smoke by day and of fire by night, and they walked through the Red Sea on dry ground in between two massive walls of water, it tells us in Scripture. However, when they got to the other side, they started grumbling quite a lot. They questioned why Moses had led them out into this place, this desert. And in Numbers 13, uh, we read the account of Moses sending out spies to see what was in the promised land, which God has said, I'm pulling you out of Egypt to go into this promised land. And if you've got your Bible, I want us to read a bit of Numbers 13. Paul, if you could offer the Bibles out, that would be fantastic. Please put your hand up if you would like a Bible and one will land in your hand. I'm actually going to read quite a lot of Numbers 13. I might skip a little bit where we've got the um, names of the spies because I can't pronounce them. Thanks, Nick. <coughs> yes, I can. <laughs> so we're going to look at Numbers 13, 1 through to 14, 25. So it's a fair bit of reading, so please bear with me. So the Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So the Lord uh, commanded Moses, send them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites, and you can read there their names. We'll pick it up at verse 16. Uh, These are the names of the men Moses sent to explore the land. Moses gave Hosea, son of Nun, the name Joshua. Now, Ian has got a little bit of an ongoing joke with this one, that that, um, Joshua didn't actually have any parents, because he was the son of Nun. That's exactly the reaction that we give every time he does it in the office when we're reading about Joshua. You got it now. Well done. Penny's dropped. (laughs) when Moses sent them to explore Canaan he said go up through the Negev and on into the hill country see what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak few or many what kind of land do they live in is it good or bad what kind of towns do they live in are they unwalled or fortified how is the soil is it fertile or poor are there trees in it or not do your breast to bring back some of the fruit of the land It was the season for the first ripe grapes. So they went up and explored the land from the desert of Zin as far as the Rehob uh, towards Lebo Hamath. They went up through the Negev and came to Hebron, where Ahiman, Shishai, Talmai, the descendants of the Anak, lived there. 
Now, if you don't know who the descendants of the Anak are, they're very tall giants from the Nephilim, from Genesis 6, if you'd like to know where they came from. Just point that one out. Um, when they reached the valley of Eshcol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Eshcol because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. So they've gone out. They've had a little scout around. They've had a little look. They've seen these giants that were the descendants of Nephilim. The Nephilim were so evil in the land uh, that the enemy, the devil, was kind of like changing the gene pool, as it were. Right? And that's why God sent the flood, because there was such evil in the land, rescued everyone, Noah, you know that story. The Nephilim were scary big giants. The Anak were those kind of descendants. So they were giants in the land. So this bunch of grapes, two men, had to carry it on a pole. It's a big bunch of grapes, okay? Big bunch of grapes. Verse 26. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh and the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites and Amorites live in the hill country and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. You can imagine what all of a sudden these children of Israel are like. Oh no, oh no, all of our enemies. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said we can't attack those people they're stronger than we are they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored they said the land we explored devours those living in it all the people we saw there of great size we saw the Nephilim there the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them That night, all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in a desert. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, uh, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we possessed, uh, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid. 
but the whole assembly talked about stoning him. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of the meeting to all the Israelites. The Lord said to Moses, How long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me? In spite of all the miraculous signs I have performed among them, I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them, but I will make you into a nation greater and stronger than they. And it goes on, and we know the rest of the story. And the rest of the story is that that generation wandered around the wilderness for 40 years until every single one of them had died and the only ones that were left was the generation to follow, Joshua and Caleb. That's scary stuff. That's scary stuff. They saw the size of the grapes and heard of the size of the people in that land, and they became afraid. They limited their assumption. Effectively, a large bunch of grapes destroyed them. They visually saw a huge bunch of grapes, and they disregarded everything God had done for the children of Israel. In just a short few weeks, the plagues that had hit the Egyptians, all of those plagues that they had seen happening, the pillar of fire, the pillar of smoke, the waters parting so they could walk through on dry ground. All of this was forgotten because they saw a giant bunch of grapes. They saw these grapes, and they heard of the people that were in the land. So the question I have is, what bunch of grapes have you been scared by? What bunch of grapes have we been scared by as a church? Each one of us has the capacity to diminish our assumption that we can do something based on a fear, fear of rejection, Fear of failure, fear of it's not in God's plans, or of, well, we've tried that before, it didn't work, so not worth doing it again. I think God wants to liberate our thinking. I think he wants to say, do you trust me? Do you trust me that we're going to work together on this? I've led you out of this place. Do you think I'm going to leave you here in the desert to die? Well, actually, he did for a generation because they rebelled against him, including Moses. In his rebellion, he didn't see the promised land. The Israelites didn't trust God apart from a few, Josh and Caleb. They were the spies who said, we can do this. We can do this. Joshua had seen Moses go up the mountain and seen the fire on top of it. He saw the presence of God. He didn't go all the way to the top like Moses did, but he saw that. And actually, he seen what was going on. He was actually in the the tent of meeting, talking with God as well. He knew God. He had such a deep relationship with God that he trusted him. Giants, whatever, have you seen my God? (laughs) Have you seen what he's done? So what can we learn from this? Like I said, I think we all have giant grapes in front of us. We've got that visual We see those things that might be a little bit too tough for us to tackle. 
Instead of thinking, wow, look at the size of the grapes, what an ama- we should actually think, like Joshua and Caleb, what an amazing abundance there is. Look at the size of those grapes. We're going to feast in this land. This is going to be awesome. But instead they thought, oh my goodness me, what is that big that consumes that size of grapes? That's what they thought. The glass half empty. And for some of them, they didn't have a glass at all. We also have unknown giants in our lives, things that are coming up. The report from the spies was one of defeat already, just like the lad in the clip. We can't beat him. We can't. Not realising that his strength got him to the end zone. His strength got him there because someone believed in him, encouraged him, keep going. They'd written off the promised land because of the giants in the land. We are like grasshoppers to them. So what giants are you facing at the moment? GCSEs, A-levels, driving tests, weddings, change of job, change of school, bereavement, roles in the church. What's your attitude as you face it? Do you approach these things with fear and trembling? already writing yourself off because you are limiting your assumption of yourself or are you coming before your heavenly father and facing the giant's head on knowing he's got your back the great thing is that the children of Israel didn't wander forever and neither should we however I believe it takes a Joshua spirit to overcome these giants and destroy them and if we quickly flip to Joshua 1 verse 1 to 9 this is the madness of this passage is that Ian shared this morning, for those of you that were in church, how many times you've heard this this week? Five times? And even, was it yesterday, somebody had put it on their Facebook page. And let's read this. This is the Joshua spirit. This is Joshua. He spent time with God. Verse 1 to 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people... Get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river to the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea in the west. No one will be able to stand up against all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it from the left or the right, that you may succeed wherever you go. And do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. And he says it again. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God had Joshua's back. (laughs) When God's got your back, you are invincible. And Joshua is invincible. You carry on reading the book of Joshua. It is amazing. The battles, destroying Jericho, taking out the Anak, taking out these giants, 
You know, I've done a little bit of research into that. You know, we hear of David and Goliath, don't we, and stuff. Some of these giants were 9 foot, 10 foot, possibly even 11 foot tall and just as wide. These were huge beasts. If you look at some of the history, if you go back and look at archaeology, there are some things that you can see. These, they actually existed. Have a little look for yourself. It's there. And Joshua was just like, yeah, come on. <laughs> Bring it on. Have you seen my God? And they did, time after time after time. Kings and cities were destroyed. Walls were knocked down. Giants were wiped out. They ran away. The only time that things went wrong is when Joshua turned away slightly from God. Or there was sin in the camp, the May camp. And God says, okay, let's go again. Let's go again. And that is how the children of Israel, this army, just walked literally... There's some battles going, but walked in to the promised land because God had their back. This message is from God to Joshua. Joshua spent time with God. That's how he got to know his plans. That's what we need to do. I think how many of us when we were growing up had a mother, father, maybe a mother or father figure that walked with us in tasks we undertook, even as a toddler, You know, come on, keep going, keep going. God went before them. That's what God does with us. He operates in that way of, come on, we'll do this together. Come on, keep going. Fall over, oh, that's all right, dust you off. Let's go again. We've got to see God as our father. We really do. I think we're excited as a church leadership, just to share this as as I come into to land. We're really excited about what we think God is going to be doing through us in Billericay. But we need a spirit of Joshua as a whole church. It can't just be about one or two people. It needs to be all of us. It needs to be that whole generation that goes across into the promised land. We believe that there will be some things that will come up that we as a church could limit our assumption on. We could quite easily think, mm, no, I don't think, I, no, I don't think we can do that. I don't think we can achieve that. I don't think we can push that. We can have that mindset, or we can have the mindset, the liberation mindset from God, the divine, that says, do you know what, guys? I've got your back on this. <laughs> We're going to do this. You're up for it. I believe God is a gentleman. And he'll say, okay. You don't want to do it. Fair enough. Maybe we'll be in the same place, whatever we're doing as a church for the next 40 years. Maybe God's calling us to bigger things. I don't know. I'm quite excited about what the possibilities are. We might have a giant bunch of grapes set before us, individually, corporately. We've got to ask, what do we do with those grapes? Do we run away from them? Or do we devour them? Do we eat them? Because they're given to us by God. Will we be like the spies, the children of Israel, a wanderer as a church, or as individually, never really fulfilling the plan he has for us? Now we've heard tonight from Oliver how he thinks God has got a plan for his life. He didn't know before Christmas. <laughs> Asking all these big questions. Someone spoke into his life. He's really excited about what God's going to do. 
how many of us have maybe had that but have never really acted on it. It's not too late. It's not too late. God still has plans for us. He wants us to prosper. Are we satisfied to be comfortable where we are? Comfortable where we are? God won't rock the boat. And we need to get out of the boat if we're going to walk on water. Are we ready to say, lead us, Father, we're ready. Let's do this. It's going to be a battle. It could be a battle. But you know what? Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Father, if there's any way, take this from me. If not, let your will be done. And Jesus faced the giant and was nailed to the cross. And he defeated death and he defeated hell and he defeated sin for every single one of us. Because his father had his back. Jesus knew the father had his back. Even when he thought, he's forsaken me. Three days later, we know the story. And we need to take hope from that. Each one of us tomorrow will be entering into maybe a giant conquering day. (laughs) And I pray that will happen, whatever it is. But we know that we've got a brother in Jesus Christ who's gone before us, that walks with us every step of the way. He did that for us. Let's do something for him. Let me pray. Father, I want to thank you that even though uh, a generation didn't actually get to see the promised land, that Father, the following generation did. And Father, I thank you for Joshua and for Caleb for everything that we read of this account where they just went in and took the land that you had promised. Father, I do not know what the future is for any of us. I can't do that. That's not for me to to look into. But Father, we can discern where you are leading us. We can do that as individuals. We can do that corporately. And I pray as we move forward with uh, the whole thing of CIO and, and changing Uh, who we are as a church a little bit, and actually just ask those questions. Father, what do you want us to do in Villariki? Greater than we are doing now. Father, stir in us, each one of us, that Joshua spirit, knowing that you've got our back, (laughs) and we can go into battle, we can go out tomorrow. Whatever we're feeling, or whatever we're facing, knowing that you have got us. Lord, help us to come closer to you so we know your plans. Help us to meditate on the word, to pray, to fellowship together, to hear your voice corporately and individually of what you want us to do. And Lord, help us be like that lad. That actually maybe we can carry some people with us as well. That actually we can make it right into the end zone. We can make it into the promised land. Whatever it is you have for us. Father, stir us to action, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.